Hello and welcome to another DBSA podcast. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books. Today I am sitting down with Zoe Archer and Nico Rosso. We're going to talk about pen names, Ether Chronicles, female characters, adventure romance, and demon rock stars. There's a lot about demon rock stars. We also talk about Zoe Archer's upcoming new historical series, which will be written under a new name. The music that you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater, and I'll have information at the end of the podcast as to who this is and where you can buy it. This podcast is brought to you by New American Library, publisher of Fall from India Place, the steamy new romance from New York Times bestselling author of On Dublin Street, Samantha Young. I'll also have information at the end of the podcast and in the podcast entry about where you can buy this book or any of the other books that we talk about. If you're curious about finding one of the books we discuss, in every podcast entry, I make sure to link to all the titles that we mention in case you feel like buying them because, well, that's what I do, so I just presume you do it too. And now, on with the podcast. Are you on the same microphone? Yes, yes. we are. Nice. So if, um, if, I ca- if I ask a question that causes fighting, you're going to be close enough to pummel each other? Oh, yeah. Yes, and that per- happens a lot. That's perfect. Yeah. Right. I wanted to ask you both about writing and writing together, but also about the series that you do together and what you're working on now. The Ether Chronicle series, like, is kind of wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that we did do together, but we. But it's done. It's done, uh, and I think we're sort of embarking on separate projects. But we do work in terms of not necessarily on the same thing together, but we're just sort of involved in each other's creative process. So I don't know if that's as sexy, but... um, That's totally awesome. How are you involved in one another's creative process? Does it involve weapons? Yes, Yes, it does. Excellent! (laughs) We're critique partners, and he helps me plot and do all the... uh, A lot. He does a tremendous amount. And uh, I'm his uh, beta reader, is basically how I function, and critique partner. Yeah, and I'll talk through... We're very different in terms of how we plot, so I don't... I don't really like go as hands-on or need as much hands-on. I kind of handle it, but I'll talk stuff through and just as I'm talking about it with Zoe, it'll kind of take shape. And then when she's plotting, we're a little bit more active in terms of back and forth, you know, shaping the the plot of of what she's working on. But right now, um, on on my computer is uh, the first draft of her next uh, Regency set. So we'll do that for each other. Like once, once something's written, we'll hand it off to each other and, and get that first read in. So the Regency set is not the, the, the Nemesis Unlimited series. No, it's a new series. I'll be starting it. Uh, the first book comes out summer of 2015, and I'll have a new name for that, actually. I'll be Eva Lee. Uh, so Eva Lee? Eva, yeah, I know. I, I realized it afterwards. <laughs> That's that, freaking brilliant, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's it, Lee is my middle name, and then uh, but then once we realized that it's Eva Eva Lee, then I was like, yeah, all right, I'm I'm good with that. <laughs> That's completely fine. It's going to be for Avon, and it's going to be actually I had the Ether Chronicles were for Avon Impulse, mm-hmm. but this is going to be print. I don't know if I I hesitate to call it a relaunch, but it's sort of a, a new chapter, if you will, to use the literary metaphor. So I'll be doing other things as Zoe Archer, probably self-publishing. Um, as Zoe Archer, and then doing these historicals for Avon as Eva. Nice. How many names do you actually have, all of you together? Like six? Five right now? I have I have three names, and you have two, uh, two names. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Nico, do you, do, do you feel inadequate 
I do. I need another name. I, you I know, think you do. <laughs> I, I'm. I yeah. I might. I might need to like just launch a whole new career as maybe like a a long haul trucker or something. Like that. And, and then no, no. You need a web a series of uh, woodworking videos. Oh, okay. All right. I'll. Uh, I could work on that. I'll uh, see what kind of name I can come up with. Something very tactile and durable. Well, uh-huh. you know, like wood quarter. Right. <laughs> just go with yeah. wood. No, it, it's pine. It is, yes. <laughs> piney, piney birch. I, I like it. Piney longwood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Zoe, are you still? Is the Nemesis? Is the Nemesis Unlimited series done? Yes, Wicked Temptation, which came out just uh, Two last weeks ago. week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is the final book in the Nemesis Unlimited series. So, is it? It was a. It was a trilogy with a novella, right? Yes, that's right. It was a trilogy with a holiday novella tucked in amidst that. I I loved writing these books. They were a lot of fun to write. And uh, ask Nico. He had a lot of fun working on them with me. Yeah, that's partly when the weapons came out because uh, yeah. there was a lot of action. There's in them, a lot so of action. We got to uh, break out the rubber knives and, and nice. go, at, e- go yeah. at each other. Or Yeah, or like I'll practice uh, like what kind of self-defense moves a, a woman could use because if she's not necessarily trained as an operative, like what can she do in order to right. disable somebody? So we worked on that. Uh, cause I'm definitely not trained as an operative or am I, or am I, we or don't am know. I? We don't yeah. know. <laughs> Plus the fact that if you are a female at that time, you're going to be restrained by the garments that you're wearing in one exactly. way or another. Right. Totally. There is some kind of undergarment always getting in your way. If you are a female, it is just the way of the world. Right. It regardless, depending on what kind of action we're talking about, it's definitely going to come into play. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you before I, I have another question, but I was, Having I was having a conversation with Lisa Kleypas at RT, and we were talking about what we like in cover images, and she's like, I just love when the guys are not all waxed and shiny. And I was like, you need to see the cover of Sweet Revenge, because not only is he not waxed and shiny, he's got mm-hmm. hair, and it is hot. That yeah. was one of the very few covers I've seen where the guy is not all waxed and shiny. I was very pleased with the cover for that, and I really think that they, not just on his chest, but, you know, they gave him some kind of sideburns. He looked kind of roughed up. I yep. just really was very pleased with the direction that we went, because that was definitely that character. That was definitely Jack, who is not, oh, he, there's, he's far from a wax pretty boy. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he would not wax. No, no he no. certainly would he's not. He's not a waxing type. No, no, ex-cons, or like he's an act, escaped convicts, yeah. former bare-knuckle brawlers, generally... Not so much with the with the manscaping, <laughs> but your um your your Avon Impulse series, both of you had some excellent manscaping with metal metallic additions. Yes, yeah, we did. Those are some interesting covers. Yeah, steampunk is is hard, I think, um, to convey, especially in the romance, because it's mm-hmm. you know in in the more just straight ahead like sci fi steampunk, they can kind of do more with the technology and more, go with a more illustrative look. But right. I think. In the romance, they're trying to sell obviously the romance side, and in this case, the kind of the the more you know masculine beefcakey side. Yep. So it's it's an interesting mix to try and get both in there, and I think they they did a pretty nice job with the constraints of you know having to do this you know kind of on the fly and make it up as as they went along. Yeah, I really liked the cover that they did for Nico's Night Knights of Steel, where the yeah. guy has the, uh, with the arm. With, has a has a cool arm, has a steampunk arm. That was a really nice. Yes, and he's not white. No, no, he's not. He isn't. He's not. He's he's a African American guy who uh, you know, true truer to the history than steampunk <laughs> was uh, running out around in the old west. Nice. 
Yeah, that's that was one of the things that I think we both really enjoyed about the steampunk world in Skies of Gold. The heroine is half East Indian, half English. Mm-hmm. That that we could just and and in uh, Night of Fire, which was the first Ether Chronicles book that Nico wrote, the heroine is Latina, yeah, Mexican American. So it was just really great to be able to. Um, sometimes it can be a little difficult in the historical field to be as inclusive as that time period really was. There's like a gif that go that's going around from like an episode of a TV show where this African American character is like, wait were black people not invented before the 20th century? And it's like... <laughs> and, uh, no, and we invented that and also gayness and BDSM. Right, exactly. We invented you know. BDSM like last month. Right, yeah, exactly. It, it just showed it, up. It, yeah, exactly. I have, I've, I have some really awesome illustrations from the 18th century of people getting like, you know, flogged and it's pretty, you know, it's pretty terrific. But yes, <laughs> and, and uh, if you... Uh, the movie came out fairly recently, Bell, mm-hmm. where they talk a lot about the representation of African, uh, British Africans, and in the paintings, how they, they're they in a subservient role, but it's like, they were there. Regardless of the, the representation of the painting is problematic, yes, but also that people of different races did exist. Yeah, I think it grounds a lot of what we're doing, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, even if it's fantastical, steampunk, or, or you know, more paranormal or whatever. I think to to have this inclusion is a closer representation of the real world, and I think it it no. helps to it just makes it feel real. And I think that's also how we both feel about characters of the nobility. We're both sort of like we we do a lot, especially the Nemesis series, but also a lot of what Nico writes and stuff like that. It's about people, not necessarily people who were born into money, born into titles, and stuff like that. Uh, and at RT, we I did a gritty historical panel with Carrie Lofty and Courtney Milan, and we talked about the relatability mm-hmm. of these books that have characters who are more representative of the readership. And I think Nico, you probably you would agree with me on that. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's it's much more interesting and, and accessible for the for the people, and it's also kind of the stories that aren't always told, right? You know, yep. because we're so used to. You know the dukes, you know, running around doing their thing. It's like, well, you know, there's a whole, whole other, <laughs> a, only a, a grand larger total of like twelve dukes. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, two thousand. Just twelve. I was, I was thinking about like, you know, if if we could do like a hands across Britain of all the invented <laughs> dukes, <laughs> it would totally stretch from like Cornwall all the way up to like the Hebrides or something like that. <laughs> I think you'd be in. I think you could at least reach Greenland yeah. if they were floating. Yeah. They float. <laughs> If totally. they float, you can totally get to green. <laughs> of course they can float. Nobility. They just they, they, yeah. float they just walk on water, water, don't yeah, you know? Totally. Right. <laughs> One of the interesting things about um figuring out how to market, I think, is that with romance, especially publishers in particular or authors developing their own cover art, have to hit a really good balance of familiar signals and interesting ideas that are new so you have the familiar signal that this is a romance either you've got waxed man chest or a clinch or some bodices there's all of these established signals that say hey yo romance the dog will not die in the end of this book there will possibly (laughs) be sexy times and there'll be a happy ever after come spend your nine dollars on me but you also want to be able to introduce the idea of hey this is something a little bit different and something you might not have seen before and you might want to try this so you have to sort of mix the 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 interesting idea with the catnip that is familiar and the signal that communicates both and that's a very difficult task 
especially I, I, when you're looking at something like like your steampunk series where you have the romance but also science fiction and steampunk elements and hero centric stories i think that's hard in the covers i think it's hard in the content too i mean mm-hmm. like we we struggle with that we're you know we're, we're writing stories that we would like to read and we're almost writing for ourselves and then each other and then it kind of and then for the editor and then for the publisher you know kind of expands out of from course. there and and we hope that we're reaching you know we hope that the readers want the stories that we like to to tell but there is that that interesting balance of like trying to um bring enough unique elements to not make it just like everything else but at the same time satisfy those um needs that the person is coming to that book for mm-hmm. and sometimes it succeeds and sometimes it doesn't i mean i know that i've written stuff where i just you know i was going for a thing and I thought it was cool, and the readership was like, mm, "Yeah, you know, it, it, the pieces were there, but it just didn't come together, and it just, you know, it just didn't hit that need." I think. But so, but then also, we get people who are like, you know, sometimes uh, we know that our books aren't for everybody. At least some of them have been, and but the people who come to us and enjoy it, they really get a lot out of it. So, um, I think that the it it is a a, a tightrope that has to be walked. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially yeah. because both of you specialize in writing romances that have a great deal of adventure in them. There's questing or very high stakes or travel or spaceships or <laughs> neat-ass <laughs> inventions or just, you know, an organization devoted to ass-kicking. There's some sort yeah. of adventure aspect of what you write. And much like Adventure, contemporary adventure romance often gets folded into romantic suspense, which it's not. It's hard to distinguish adventure romance in the historical construct as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, and especially because historical romance has been coded as um, because it's come from this foundation of Hare and Austen and Gaskell, and you know, like putting it in where there aren't a lot of like gunfights um, <laughs> <laughs> and you know some of them could have used a gunfighter yeah I know like in north and south like why not some big shootout down at Mr. Thornton but like uh, I think you know he's packing oh he totally well yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we could just leave that there yeah, yeah alright yeah. back away slowly but for me, a lot of the stuff that I read was not necessarily that kind of canonical sort of writing. And I did read a lot of adventure stories and I watched a lot of adventure films. And those, for me, were the the what, the things that were the most influential. But I just wasn't crazy about the amount of female agency in them. And so I, I sort of, I think, created a hybrid or worked to create. I'm not going to say like I was the innovator because I know this exists, where there is both that adventure qu- quotient and then a lot of female agency. And I know that, Nico, uh, your formative stuff was like comic books that had very strong heroines in right. them. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think you watched a lot of action films and probably being married to me <laughs> and my own agenda. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying that it, that it necessarily shaped you, but I think these are things that you kind of you appreciate and you like. Yeah, and, and when, you know, when I learned the romance genre through Zoe, and I, I hadn't read it until I read, like, the first romance novel I ever read is a book that, an early work of hers that's never been published. So it's like, that's how I learned the genre, and then reading her stuff as she was working on it and talking about it. So I didn't have this huge, broad, and I still don't have this huge, broad background that so many readers and writers have, where they can just kind of name the 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 litany of all these authors that they know and who's on their stack and stuff like that. Um you know, I came at it as a writer who learned a genre, and I really 
really like a lot of the elements, but my angle into it was very much Zoe's angle, which you know was these strong female characters and this this great balance between the men and the women, and that's really appealing to me because it's more fun to write that. You know, it's it's not as fun to write for me to write somebody who's like a a woman who's just kind of um, a plot device, like a football. Yeah. I mean, it's nice. It's nice to be able to, you know, to have her doing just as much ass kicking as the guy. So that's, yeah, that definitely fed into how I thought about the genre. And then, you know, as I was thinking about that, thinking about what kind of stories I could tell within it. Hence, bounty hunters. Exactly. Ass kicking. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Exactly. A sheriff and a soldier and a, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think in the direction that you're going that you're thinking about for the future, you, that's still going to be a very strong. Yeah, I think the the action and, and adventure element will still be pretty pretty strong within this stuff. And while I'm moving away from action and adventure, the into more I guess quote unquote traditional regency, the the notion of female agency and not necessarily titled, not all the characters are titled. Um, that still is uh, very strong. So it's it won't it'll be an Eva Lee book. But it'll still be, in some ways, very much a Zoe Archer book. Like if somebody's concerned that they're going to lose the, the these certain qualities of the of the books that, of mine that they've come to enjoy, I don't think that that I'm go, I'm here to assure them that that's not going to be the case. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. If there's just less shots fired. Yeah. Exactly. To my chagrin. Sorry. I don't get to plot the action as much anymore. Sorry. Yeah. You no. Know, okay. Dialogue counts as shots fired too. Yeah. Well, that's that's what we've discovered is that you know when in these more traditional formats, it's like yeah, the action just gets reduced to one punch or one line of defiant dialogue or yep. something like that, which carries just as much weight. I mean, it's oh, not yes. like it's less important. There's a lot of and there's a lot of like witty banter, which is like swordplay. Yeah. Oh yes, <laughs> very much like swordplay. Yeah. Sort of like the, the difference between an actual sword fight and Spencer Tracy. Right, exactly. Right, and 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 Catherine Hepburn. So there's right. there's not they're not actually hitting each other, but they totally are. Right, yeah. exactly. Or you could imagine like Darcy and 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 uh, Lizzie, you know, sort of going up and down in uh, uh, Netherfield, yeah. you know, parrying kind uh-huh. of. Thing. Yeah-huh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> meanwhile, they're like, I'm so turned on right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. One of the things that I loved about the Kira Knightley version, which has many many problems, was the the scenes. There's one scene where they are dancing and they start. Um, bickering with one another mm-hmm. and then in the end of the scene they are the only two people dancing in the room mm-hmm. and then the music stops and they both sort of wake up and realize that there's all these other people in the room but there's at least a good 45 seconds to a full minute of the two of them dancing and they're the only two people in the room mm-hmm. and it communicated the sort of the underlining of what all of their you know cranky dialogue had been doing which was oh my god why are we have all these people in the room let's I go see- make out behind a plant Right. I, I, I seem to recall Colin Firth saying in some interview that he was directed to basically act like he had a heart on the whole time. <laughs> that's why he looks so uncomfortable. <laughs> He's like, please don't call me up to the board to do a math problem. <laughs> I, I need to hold a book. Right. A very large textbook needs to come with me. I'm sorry. Right. I want to ask you about your new historical series. What um, You said it was traditional, more Regency. Can you talk a little bit about it or is it too soon? No, yeah, I can talk about it. Uh, it's called The Wicked Quills of London, and the premise is it's ba- the three female writers in different professions 
in London, obviously during the Regency period and the men who love them. The first book is called To Ride with a Rake. And um, the heroine is a writer, editor, and owner of a scandal sheet. So, you know, those sheets that are like, Lord A was seen in the company of a certain actress. Like, she writes that. Yeah. And uh, the hero is a nobleman who, who tangles with her. The second book is uh, the heroine is a playwright and the hero is a nobleman. <laughs> and uh, in the third book, which I'm, um, I'm looking forward to writing all of them and I really am loving it. The third book is uh, a, a, a woman of noble birth who um, writes anonymous erotic novels and the hero is a vicar. Oh my! <laughs> yeah, it's, these are super super fun, and I'm really enjoying writing it because, again, like I said, it's like it's 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 very different from what I've been writing, but at the same time, it's very imbued with the spirit of what I've been doing up to this point. So it's all about female agency, and it's literally about women's voices um, within these contexts. And then, of course, love finds them, and things like that. <laughs> I usually do not record more than one podcast in a day, but earlier today I was on a different podcast recording with Kate Noble, who told me she's currently working as a writer on a television series for TNT called The Librarian, which is a blend of action, adventure, fantasy, and magic, where you're chasing in magical objects, and there's historical lessons, and, and mm -hmm. Noah Wiley is in it. And so Yeah, it's, a, it's an ongoing series. I've seen some episodes, yeah. And so she's telling me about this, and I was like, you know, when this, because it, it, it goes on, the, the television show, it's based on the earlier stuff that you've seen. It's a new, mm -hmm. the new show will begin in December. Hmm. I think it was TV movies. Yes. Yeah. 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 They were yeah. all originally um, TV movies or miniseries. Right. And now it's going to be a regular series. Oh, nice. Hmm. So she's That's writing cool. episodes for that. And it's sort of like she was describing it as a blend of sort of um, Indiana Jones and Doctor Who. And I was like, when people listen to this podcast, there's going to be people in their cars going, I want it right now. Right now. Where is it? So you started <laughs> right. talking about no anonymous erotic novels in a vicar. And I was like, that same person is going to be in the car going, I want that too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> people are going to be so upset because yeah. they can't get their hands on it right now. I want to make sure that people are prepared ahead of time to to know like that this is something that I'm doing so mm -hmm. that it doesn't just kind of come out of the blue and also people who have been my readers will continue to be my readers and also develop my readership and add new people who perhaps maybe the paranormal or the adventure had kind of kept them at bay. Mm -hmm. Always good to, like I said, dangle the familiar with the new stuff. Right. Exactly. You got to lead with the familiar stuff. Catnip first, then the surprise. Well, and Catnip you know, surprise. Yeah. Oh. Um, and Nico doesn't generally read Regency set historicals. I don't think you do at all. Uh, just a couple. So all you've read is mine, right? I've read some others. All oh, right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You have read some others, like uh, uh, Tessa, Tessa Dare. Dare. Yeah. yeah. Whatever they write, it's just like it was just like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, all these, but, you know, people running around a coastal town who aren't married but are awesome, those people are all real. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's sort of past the Nico test, I think, mm -hmm. so far, the book. Oh, yeah. Would you yeah, say? Definitely. Yeah. 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 That's excellent. So you guys are critique partners and you help each other plot and you're married and presuming you cohabitate in the same space. Um, do. Does that get difficult? I think there are times when, you know, Zoe will be off writing at Starbucks and I will be here and it's not because we're mad, it's just because, you know, it's it's nice to just create a little space so that yep. 
you know, we're not just hovering over each other all the time and, and like, whoa, what are they doing? Are they writing right now? Are they yeah. not writing right now? And, yeah. and I think we try and balance it so that it's, you know, we have that space when we need it. And, and even if we're both in the office, um, you know, we'll, we'll put the headphones on and, yep. and that'll be like the cones of silence right. <laughs> where we establish our space for a time and, and we'll respect that. And then we'll come out of it and, you know, deal with whatever we need to deal with. So there's, there's a little bit of kind of unspoken negotiations that go on. But I think we're fortunate in that because I've heard from other writers when sometimes their spouse will come in while they're working and be like, you know, where's this, where's that, I need this, or, you know, or their children will come in or yep. something like that. And they don't understand the limitations or they, that they need their space. But because we both are doing the same thing, we know. If, if he's staring intently at his computer screen, I'm not going to be coming <laughs> over there and, you know. If you I'm know. mumbling. I'm usually mumbling when I'm writing, so she'll, yeah. she'll know. Or or sort of breathing heavy if it's an action scene. Yeah. Yeah. Quote unquote action scene. Action scene. scene. <laughs> action scene, yes. yes. <laughs> Is it hard for you guys to not work? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I have that problem too. I was just really being nosy with that question. <laughs> no, I, I I think we're constantly working. It, whether or not we're sitting at our computer, we're almost always thinking about work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we went out to dinner on a couple Tuesdays ago because it was the release day for the la- the latest uh, Nemesis book. And we're sitting and we're having a nice dinner and it's this kind of raucous place and, you know, it's feeling good. And, and then like maybe 20 minutes into dinner, we started plotting the second Wicked Quills book. <laughs> <laughs> and that took yeah. us all the way through dessert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we were like, you know, it's like midnight and we're still working and we're like, God, you know what, we're going to get up and just keep doing it. And then midway through the day, the next day, we were doing something that was not work related. And so he's like, God, I, maybe I should be, you know, I should be doing something. And it's like, we worked from like, you know, 7.15 to midnight last night. We can take an hour in the middle of the day today. Oh, we were going for a bike ride. Yeah, we went for, yes. Yeah. So it's like, you know what? We can kind of do this. We we put our time in. But yeah. Yeah, we, it's, it's hard to not be working. But, I, yeah. but work isn't always, you know, a drudge. So it's kind of like, I, I, I personally don't mind it. I like working, you know, even if it is just sitting and plotting or taking a shower and coming it, up with an idea. It is a pretty rad job. Yeah. It, it is. Making it's, shit up. It is. It's a it's a really tough job, but you know, like they said about the Peace Corps, the toughest job job you'll ever love, mm-hmm. or something like that. It it kind of feels like that because it's like there, there's but there are times when it's just like ah, I mean, uh, damn, darn, this job's really hard. Yeah, and uh, and but you're just like I've been. I mean, I think Nico has been writing since he was young too. Yeah. I started writing when I was a, a little kid. It's like I can't stop. This is just, it's intrinsic to who I am. So it, it doesn't feel burdensome uh, to do it, you know. It's all, like, and people ask us a lot, like, where do you get your ideas? We're like, we can't stop them. They don't, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like going to the, you know, pick your own blueberry place, you know, once a month and get the, getting the ideas. It's right. like they're just going to show up and, and they're just this, this, this constant flow of, of content. Yep. Especially for me, it's like because I write historicals, there's rich history is so rich, and I'm fascinated by women in male dominated professions. It's like just take a woman and stick her in any kind of uh, male dominated field, and I've got a story. And there's you'll invent, inevitably find a woman who actually did it. So I'm researching the second book in the Wicked Quills book, and I found out about this woman who, during the late Regency period, became like a theater owner and manager. I'm like, this is awesome. I love this. 
And, you know, Nico's always got some action sequence playing out in his head. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I need you to come up behind me and hit me really hard. Right, yeah, Right exactly. between the fourth and fifth vertebra, but not so hard I get paralyzed. Right. Okay, go. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> am I going to fall this way or am I going to fall that way? Yeah, exactly. So, hard question. Nico, what is your favorite thing that Zoe has written that you have read? Oh, that is – that's really hard. Yeah, um, I know. It's a really – it's an asshole question. <laughs> Are you trying that. to engender discord? Um, <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. Yeah, that's nice. Um, well, I, I generally don't pick favorites in general just in life. So, I, But um, I, I, I really uh, I really enjoyed Skies of Gold, the, the last Aether Chronicle book. It, the, the way that the slow burn played out between the hero and the heroine and their backstories – their kind of wounded nature and their their caution as they approached each other literally and, and figuratively mm-hmm. was really I really liked the way they put that played out. It was it just felt very very real to me. It, in spite of the not in spite of but it felt very real within the context of all of the steampunk and stuff. So I, I really enjoyed that one. That's very cool. Okay, Zoe, same question. You've had um, like a whole two minutes to think. Yeah, about. I know. I, mean, I have been thinking about it, and I'm, I'm thinking about all the different books that he's uh, written. God, I like the sci-fi. I like the paranormal demon rockers. I like, uh, um, but I I really liked Knights of Steel, which was the book we talked about earlier, which is the one about the two bounty hunters. Um, I really liked the settings because it's an old West tale that's set in California, which often doesn't get you know, get done. And it's also, you know, that it is a, an interracial relationship. Mm-hmm. Really like that. I really like the characters' backstories that um, they're, you know, they're flawed, they're wounded, but they come together. Um, there's just, there's so much there. I don't know. God, God, I hate you. Why are you doing this to me? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm an evil, evil person. <laughs> yeah. We often speculate about that late at night. God, that's Sarah. She's just, she's just Satan and no one knows. Right. <laughs> it's excellent. So aside from Regency uh, writing women, which sounds badass, what else are y'all working on right now? Nico? Um, well, I'm uh, the third and final book in, of my paranormal erotic romance demon rock series is going to be coming out in August. And those are the satyrs and the muses, right? Yes. Yes, that is. Um, the second one came out last month and uh, the third one is titled Menage with the Muse. So as you can imagine, there's a menage in it. Nuh-uh, for real? Yeah. Yeah, Whoa, yeah. I yeah, never would have guessed. That was one of those things. I didn't want to do the bait and switch. You know, I wanted to give them what they wanted. <laughs> Yes, there will be. Is it is it male, male, female, male, female, female, all it of is the above? Male. Does one female. of them have more than one penis? No, no. <laughs> I, you know, I probably could have, but I. I have figured, you guys? Eh. Have you guys read that book? No. no. Oh, you need Heard to read it. it. Oh my god! <laughs> it's not only okay. Speaking of women with agency, this is um. Nicholas, Lords of the Seder, S A T Y R. Except I said it to my husband, and he was like, "Wait, like Seder? Passover?" <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> then Elijah comes in, and it gets crazy up in this place. You know, there is a lack of Jewish Talmudic menage, and I think that the money train is is poised to back up to our respective porches and yeah. dump the, <laughs> the naughty rabbi series should be a thing. Well, actually, you know, um, Nico and I uh, are going to be trying, we're going to be thinking about doing some venturing into self, some self-publishing, and we're talking about doing a 
a little holiday anthology between right. the two of us. Yes, and uh, we'll split the religions. And yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm doing one that's Jewish. Fabulous. Yeah, I love this idea. A Hanukkah themed erotic romance. Yeah, there's eight nights. Exactly. That's exactly right. There are eight nights, it's and true. as he pointed out, there's you could do a lot of fun things, not like in terms of where you put it, but what you can do with a dreidel. That's right. <laughs> All half, none, give, yeah, drop. Yeah, exactly. Right. exactly. A lot of possibilities. Yeah, exactly. a lot of options. Nico, when does your next Demon Rock book come out? Menage, uh, uh, Menage with the Muse, right? Yes, Menage with the Muse comes out August fourth. And uh, from Karina, so it's all ebooks all the time on you know Kindle and Nook and, right. and uh, Google and all of such. But yeah, that's August fourth, and then um, and then I got a couple other things kind of in the hopper where we've got that holiday thing that we're talking about. Now that I've mentioned the holiday thing, now we have to do it. Yeah, can I get cracking on that? So tell people, if you would not mind, Nico, a little bit about the Demon Rock series, because we spent a lot of time talking about Zoe's historical projects, but I want to also talk about your um, rock star menagenating. Menagenating. <laughs> menagenating? Yes. Thank you. Um, uh, the Demon Rocks. What's that? Menagenism. Menagenism. I think we've known people that have been into that. Isn't that, like, isn't that what they're singing in that song? Menage, menage. Do, do, do. <laughs> totally. Suddenly totally. I have much more appreciation for the Muppets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry. Uh, so the, the Demon Rock uh, kind of came out with the idea with of seeing all these rock stars in reality and thinking that, I mean, they're, they are pretty demonic and it's always been kind of uh, vilified. And, you know, rock stars are always kind of perceived as these kind of hedonistic um, demons. And I was thinking, well, what if they actually were, you know? And, and so the, the concept is kind of, that they're descendants of satyrs. So they've been around as long as human beings have been kind of collecting around the fire and partying. And uh, what the demons do is they feed off the energy of an audience. Right. So if they perform, the audience responds to the energy that the, the demon is producing, and then the, that wave will rise up from the audience again and then crash back into the demon. It essentially keeps them alive for as long as there's an audience. And that's kind of one of the, the ideas of these demons have to keep performing and they have to keep adapting. So they've changed their faces. They've changed their musical styles over the years to, uh, um, to keep the audiences coming. Um, and all throughout their history, there's been this legend of the muse mm -hmm. where, and that has never shown up, but what it is, is it's this, the one woman that can feed the demon, um, on, unlike the audience. So it's like with, without the muse, the demon would starve to death. So there had always been this legend and it had never come true until the first book, Heavy Metal Heart. We meet Trevor Sand and he's this rock star with a, a little bit of a dark past and, and a little bit of a, a romantic edge to him. But, and he's always kind of been on, on the lookout for this muse but never believed that it was true until he finally meets Misty who is just a mortal uh, and then she meets him and her world is kind of turned upside down and she's wrapped up into uh, the demon rock world. So do you make references to bands that they were in the past and sort of hint at like, were they Rush? Were they, um, were, <laughs> were they Journey? Well, oh, no, 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 no. They were Whitesnake, weren't they? Yeah, you know, we... When when we when we're driving around and we're listening to the radio, we will think, okay, is, are these guys demons or are they not? Rush <laughs> is not demons. White Snake, yes. Uh, 
but but in the books, um, I do make references to the bands that they were in the past, but I don't make, but I, they're not specific bands because I wanted to, and that was actually something I did deliberately in terms of even the music that they're making within the current books, mm-hmm. um, is that I didn't want to say exactly what they sounded like because I didn't want to alienate a reader. So it's like if I say, oh, these guys have a total groove and they're sounding exactly like the Black Keys, if the reader is like, well, I don't really like the Black Keys, I like some other band, then they're immediately going to be alienated and not feeling it. So I I try to stay um, generic enough with the descriptions of the the music so that you could kind of plug in the style that you liked. Right. Um, In the second book, uh, Slam Dance with the Devil, it goes deeper into the history of of the demon, Mm -hmm. uh, Kent. And we he in the past he was a blues man uh, along the the Mississippi River and stuff like that and and kind of a Robert Johnson style guy it's like did he make a deal with the devil kind of questions and uh, and in that one we learn more of that history and we get to kind of delve back into what really these guys you know had been doing in their past. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, it was. Th- these were I, I had a lot of fun writing these and. Uh, there, I put song lyrics into them because that was just another aspect of kind of um, creating the characters and right. fleshing them out, and that was a lot of fun just to kind of round it out as much as I could. And it was it was an interesting and and a lot of fun journey just to kind of go along with these guys. It's very difficult to write about music, though. It was, and it kind of got to the point, you know, by the third book, because in the third book, all three characters are musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's at a music festival, so they're all kind of there for the same reason. Right. And um, so there was a lot of descriptions of music and and their personal relationships with music. And, you know, so it, it was it, – it's one of those esoteric things like writing about food. Yep, exactly. Where you're, take, you're, you're taking this this experience that isn't – that is very experiential. It's very and much – not verbal. S- sensory, yeah, yes. and then and trying to translate it into these words. And it's like, well, I hope it's coming across because yep. you can only do so much. But then you do just try and use as much visceral language, excuse me, as possible. And that's all for this week's podcast. I want to thank Zoe and Nico for sitting down with me and talking about all of the things. Next week, we have a podcast with a person who works in the FBI for Really Reels. It's awesome. It's a really good interview. Jane and I had a really good time. And we are still hoping that you will call or email us with your suggestion of books that young readers might enjoy, particularly books for readers who might one day turn out to be romance readers because, well, that's what we're actually doing here, right? Indoctrinating a future generation with literary awesomeness. I mean, that's what I'm doing anyway. If you would like to email us your suggestions about books for young readers or you want to make a suggestion about a future interview or you have a question or you want to ask Zoe or Nico a question, you can email us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com or call and leave a message at 1-201-371-DBSA. Please don't forget to tell us who you are and where you're calling from so we can include your message in the podcast because technology is magic, I'm telling you. The music this week was provided by Sassy Outwater. This is called Forgotten by Jason Hemmons, and I have links to MP3s at various locations along with the album Welcome to Reality should you wish to buy this for your very, very own. Which you should, because it's awesome, right? Totally. My music collection, much like my to-be-read list, much bigger since starting the podcast. This podcast is brought to you by New American Library, publisher of Fall from India Place, the steamy new romance from New York Times bestselling author of On Dublin Street, Samantha Young. 
wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I hope it's awesome. And Zoe and Nico and Jane and I all wish you the very best of reading. Have a great weekend.